welcome to Mercer's podcast series on the new shape of work. Today's interview tackles the question of equity in the workplace, and more specifically, what men can do to make a difference to gender parity. I'm Kate Bravery, Mercer's advisory and insight leader, and today I'm joined by Angela Berg, global leader on diversity, equity, inclusion within Mercer's transformation. Welcome, Angela. It's really great to have you join us today. Very delighted, Kate. Wonderful. Let's get going. I'm thrilled to have you join because diversity, equity, inclusion, and increasingly belonging and justice are topics that are front of mind for HR leaders, executives, and board members alike. This year in Global Talent Trends, this is a core expectation of employers, and we've seen a jump in the commitments to making progress on this imperative. One of the most notable changes over the last few years is the increase in organizations, not just measuring the gender pay gap, but analyze what are some of the underlying causes of inequity in the workplace. Angela, is this a signal that we're moving away from the short-term fixes we've seen in prior years, hiring diverse talent at senior levels, spot pay adjustments? From your vantage point, are you also seeing a genuine increase in stamping out systemic bias and really getting under the hood of some of those inequities that have plagued us over the last few years? Yeah, Kate, it's, it's such a good question. And you know, you just mentioned all the different kinds of forces, external, internal, that are pushing the, the DEI agenda for organizations. And so from, from that perspective alone, I definitely think we're moving away from short-term fixes. But yeah, as it relates to pay, organizations are definitely getting better at identifying pay gaps. In fact, um, in research that we've just conducted and getting ready to launch, we've seen a huge surge over the, the past few years in companies that have implemented rigorous pay equity analysis. In fact, I think it's almost up to 80% in the, the group we looked at. And you know what is good? It's absolutely foundational, ensuring that workforce equality. But what we're now also see happening, which is important, is that employers are equally recognizing that career gaps are leading to inequalities. And they're asking questions around broadly, how is talent hired, developed, promoted, retained? And so, yes, we're seeing that companies are getting more focused and proactive about these longer term fixes and really, especially around the impacts of systemic bias in the underlying talent management processes and, and taking actions to address these issues. We think that's where the sustainability is going to come in in driving progress, um, particularly a lot of interest as it relates to gender, especially around performance management and succession planning processes. Mm. Interesting. Performance management and succession are two talent systems that for many years have actually been getting more relaxed, uh, in part because of the pandemic. But of course, when you simplify process or increase manager discretion, it's often was when some of those biases creep back. So it's great time for leaders to be having conversations around these vital decision making periods. It's also great to hear the conversation is being extended to more than just pay equity, to career equity. And I've also been hearing a lot about health equity of late. These discussions certainly extend the conversation to broader topics and highlight some of the associated drivers of the health and wealth gap. Of course, gender equity is dominating the airways given it's International Women's Day. And as I've been tuning into these conversations, it's got me thinking about where are men sitting regarding the conversation? I know a few years ago, most had a booked out session at Davos on the topic of male allies. And I'm just curious, how has this movement evolved over the last couple of years? What's trending in some of the companies you're working with, with regarding 
the role of men and the voice of men in impacting the gender parity issues? Yeah, sure. And, and I do want to acknowledge and, and note that um, gender equality is still the primary focus of organizations globally. COVID has created setbacks for women in participation in the workforce, um, financial well-being, mental well-being. It's, it's still um, you know, a critical topic that needs to be addressed. And your question, Kate, really important because the reality is that men still do hold the vast majority of positions of power and privilege in the global workforce. And gender equality simply is not going to be achieved without men playing a central role. They've got to be part of that solution. And what and, and that part's not new, but what we have seen evolved is that there's a lot more focus on very intentional focus on, I'm going to say it as bringing them into the conversation just versus calling them out. And, and don't get me wrong on what this means to make progress on equality. You know, it's essential that we highlight and call out where there are gaps, inequities and inequalities and lay bare the processes and the biases that have been contributing to them. That, you know, is still very important. But at the same time, um, to be a, a productive partner in this journey, we've also got to ensure that men are very consciously equipped to, to productively participate in the journey because of their leadership positions are often leading the journey. So, you know, organizations globally have spent a lot of time on awareness over the years. And now organizations are focusing very specifically on what are the actions, the very specific actions, the roadmap of what men can do to improve gender equality in the the workplace. And I'll say that we've seen in our When Women Thrive global research um, that more companies are, are engaging men in, in very specific ways. I think we're up to about 50% of companies doing that. And it's it's really great to see. Well, that's really exciting to hear. And I know that you're also going to be doing that research again later this year. So, we are. Uh, well, I'll look out for it in Q3. For me, the Thrive research is a real seminal piece, one that's been a great source of benchmarking and best practice dissemination. But I do wanna pick up on that point that you were just making regarding equipping people, including men, to make a difference to the progress of women in the workplace. Angela, what are some of the best practices that you're seeing or hearing about? Yeah, of course. And you know, one of the, the central pieces of it, which we see a lot of organizations doing, is taking a very close look at their um, policies and processes to ensure that bias is mitigated that they've got best practices in place and that the guardrails are up. And we certainly do view that as every organization's kind of responsibility in the journey from a, a programmatic perspective to ensure that's in place. But for individuals and for men, um, their starting place in the journey is actually really pretty simple. It's to be a good ally to others. And, and that may seem like it's a very simple thing, but let's think about what that really means. Uh, the purpose of being an ally is to help ensure that um, everyone is having the same positive kind of um, workplace experience and the opportunity to thrive in the workplace. And it entails becoming aware of those moments where there are situations or conditions that can really damage inclusion and becoming confident in how individuals can personally support others by standing up and by advocating when needed. There's all sorts of moments in, in every day of um, the workday where that can happen. And so, um, you know, it may sound like a simple thing and it's really truly not that difficult to get equipped to do that, but it's so incredibly powerful in driving a quality of experience. And, you know, I'll give you two 
ex examples of that. It's really interesting. Mercer just co-launched um, a very comprehensive study in partnership with the Inter-America's Development Bank and ProMundo on the role that men can play in driving gender equality. The focus of our study was Latin America and the Caribbean. And we did a focus group with um, participants from many different companies in the region. And we asked that question, what can men or, or what can individual men do to be better allies to women? And you know what the top answer was? It was so simple. It was just to be a better listener. And, and that can have um, tremendous impact. So we really um, encourage organizations to think about their allyship training programs and the positive impact that they can have um, in helping to shape that everyday experience and not just around gender, but really for everyone in the workplace. Great practical advice. If I remember when your previous When Women Thrive report came out, Latin America was always called out as a country that had a lot of vibrancy around this topic and has made some great progress over these years. Well, let's stay with what companies can do to ensure the active participation of all factions of their workforce. This year in our Global Talent Trend Study, we've seen that those that identified as thriving at the current time are twice as likely to work for a company that they perceive to behave equitably with regard to pay and promotion decisions. But this is one type of equity that we're hearing about at the moment. Um, are you hearing more, Angela, on the topic of social justice and, and broader issues of equity in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our evolving mantra over time has been that um, when people thrive, societies thrive. And we're firm believers that employers, companies can play a really critical role in delivering social justice through the channels they have to deliver workforce justice. And, um, you know, I, as it relates to that concept of workforce justice and what it entails, I, I think one of the challenges, just to start with this, is that it's a journey that never ends. Organizations have strategies around this, but the reality is, is something that they need to continue to do. And to recognize that sometimes that um, pursuit of workforce justice and belonging equality. It, it's a journey that can stall, it can veer, it can go off course. And, you know, that's obviously frustrating and disappointing. But it's, you know, like any other kind of business engagement, things like that happen, it can be expected. And I would really encourage organizations who are committed to this um, to stay the course and resume the journey instead of abandoning it altogether. It's a very ambitious journey. And unfortunately, there are companies who who do you know stall and then decide that uh, this isn't for us. Once you get on the road, you know what is it that the two things that are are really making a difference? The first, um, critically, is that leaders have got to be at the forefront of the efforts to achieve workforce justice at that that DEI journey, and and that's just the same as it would be for any other critical business priority. And it's important to understand again, as is the case with other business priorities, that you've got to really equip and train your leaders to successfully lead the journey for all the different stakeholders. It's not something that can happen by chance. And the next really critical thing is to take an evidence-based approach to um, your actions. This has long been Mercer's point of view based on all of our research. I work with hundreds of organizations globally um, the reality is simply that that ad hoc diversity, equity and inclusion actions are not going to add up to improve outcomes in achieving this workforce justice. It's critical that organizations use the data that they have, whether it's around workforce data, employee experience, 
um, looking at their policies, processes, programs to identify exactly where the gaps are, where their opportunities are, and tailor their strategy to that. And it's that very um, intentional work and effort that over time will help um, organizations, help people, help our societies embrace that kind of social justice that we're talking about. So true, so true. Organizations do ebb and flow, and sometimes we all stall on this agenda. One of the positive changes, I think, coming out of this pandemic period has to be just the unprecedented openness and honesty. Now, organizations really have embraced much more disclosure about where they are today, where they are on this journey, and where they've been making progress or challenges that they're facing. Angela, I know there's a topic we could talk on for hours and hours, but we are coming to the end of our time together. Before you go, however, I did have one final question. As you look to the future, and given the backdrop of what we've just been discussing, how do you believe the future work will evolve? Yeah, it's, I'll get out my crystal ball and see what <laughs> that, that we could make here. So no, seriously, um, you know, what we think, just from the perspective of DEI, and, and how it impacts the, the workforce and, and how it impacts organizations. Um, we believe, and, and we strongly urge organizations to think about it this way, that, that DEI will become a fundamental business capability. And if you think about ESG and think about the E in ESG and how that's become globally um, a, a fundamental business capability, uh, we think it's going to be the same for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, DEI is not going to be something that HR owns. It's not going to be something that's driven by a DEI committee or a business resource group, but something that the organization has embedded into everything that they do in all parts of the organization. And that regardless of what your role is or your function is, everyone's going to be equipped to have the right skills, the right awareness to really um, participate and contribute to the journey. And um, that's a big shift for organizations for many. And when I think about progressive organizations who are are doing that, um, you know, that's kind of the way that they're approaching it with that commitment. And, and, you know, what's the advantage of doing that? It's going to be such an enormous competitive advantage for, for companies, both in terms of a talent, attraction, retention, as well as business outcomes who are able to really get that right and embed it into their DNA. And I'll, I'll have to say, I'm really looking forward to the future where that happens. Angela, thank you for sharing that vision and for joining us today. What a great note to close on. If people are thirsty for more information or keen to take part in some of your research, where would you direct them to? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely, and Kate, it's been my pleasure to be here today. Uh, we're very excited about two um, studies that we're doing this year. The first one, Stepping Up for Equity, is actually focused on race and ethnicity, specifically gaps in career, health, and wealth for Black American workers. So that research is um, available. And then very excited that later this year, we'll be launching our annual When Women Thrive. We'll be going out to organizations globally and would encourage all of our listeners to participate um, when the opportunity comes up. Great, wonderful. Well, if you're keen to get your hands on this research or indeed get involved in these surveys, please head to mercer.com where you can download the report and find out more. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. If you're interested in this topic or others associated with the new shape of work, you can also find our full interview series on mercer.com. Thank you again for joining. Thank you, Angela, for sharing your wisdom. 
wishing everybody a great rest of the day.